Welcome to On the Way with Tony Chris. Each weekday, Dr. Chris will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Chris. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is podcast 218. Well, the third cup has just been taken, and the fourth cup sits before them. There was a ritual that was followed every year, and the fourth cup was a great time of celebration when the people rejoiced that God had fulfilled his promises to Abraham and brought them into the land. And indeed, God is faithful. He did exactly what he said he would do. And Israel, after 2,000 years of being out of the land and not in their own land under their own sovereignty, of course, many Jews were in the land at all times over the last 2,000 years, but they were not in control. It passed from one empire empire to another, just as the Lord said it would. But God is faithful to his promises, and he brought the Jews back into the land. And in 1948, when Israel became a nation, a sovereign nation back in the land of the ancestry, its forefathers, then it was a great monumental event. Prophetically, other than the resurrection of Jesus, it is the greatest event of the last 2,000 years. Of course, the resurrection of Jesus is the greatest miracle that ever happened. But in prophetic terms, the coming home of God's people and them being drawn from the four corners of the earth, coming back, making Aliyah, making ascent back to their homeland, it is almost a homing instinct that we would liken unto those of God's creation that were in the wild and are in the wild and once uh, in their lifetime or, or every year or for some animals, they make their way back to their homeland, the land of their ancestry, the land of their birth. That's exactly what's happening. I've talked with many Jews that have come from around the world and said to them, how did you arrive at the time when you wanted to come back? I mean, was there was there some event that took place? And many of them have said, I have always, since the time that I have known of Israel from the, my childhood, I have wanted to come. But in recent years, it has just become plain to me that this is my home and that God wanted me here and I needed to come home to the homeland called Israel. And so God is from the four corners of the earth drawn back his people in fulfillment to biblical prophecy. We are entering into a time that is unprecedented in world history and prophetic history. These are exciting days. I cannot think of another day that's more exciting to live in than the time and the occasion in which God has brought us into the world. As I said earlier in the podcast, don't you dare say to your children, oh, I hated that you're born in this time and what you're going to face in the future. That's not the talk of a child of God. The same God who's been faithful down through the centuries, he'll be faithful to our children and our grandchildren. He has a plan and a purpose for them. And if we believe in the sovereignty of God, then we have to believe that they are born into this time, just like you and I were born into our time to make 
make a difference in this world. God has a plan and a purpose for every life. And so don't you dare discourage them because those children are listening to you, those grandchildren. You let them know that the time that they're alive is the very best time that they could ever be alive because God is still God. This was part of the Passover ritual, that they were free men. They were celebrating the day when they would come back into the land, and indeed they did. You remember in the 40 years of wilderness wandering, they didn't even keep the Passover. They were not circumcised. They were living in disobedience. But when God brought them into the land, the first place they went to was a place that was forever known and is to this day as Gilgal, the rolling away, the place of the rolling rolling away because the men were circumcised and the covenant seal and symbol was once again recognized in the nation of Israel. And the first thing they did, the first event that took place after the circumcision was they observed the Passover and they remembered what God had done that 40 years earlier, he had brought them out of Egypt and the slavery of Egypt and the bondage of Egypt with a strong and mighty arm. And so the fourth cup was a ritual that that was designed to celebrate freedom, to celebrate that God put freedom in the heart of every man, red or yellow or black or white, whatever DNA, whatever their nature, God put freedom within the heart of every man. And not just freedom politically, but freedom of heart and mind to know God in a personal way. And that's what that fourth cup was partly celebrating. And so when they came to this cup, of course, during this celebration, there was always a chair left at the table for Elijah. It's called Elijah's place. At each Passover table, an empty chair is left and a place set at the table for Elijah. Now you say, why would that happen? This custom grew from the final words of the last prophet of Israel, Malachi, who closed his message with the following exhortation. Behold, I send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. In addition, he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to the fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Malachi chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. Jews believe, and this is why they have this place set for Elijah, that Elijah will come back to the earth just prior to the coming of Messiah. Now, it's interesting that Jesus said that John the Baptist was the fulfillment of the Malachi's prophecy, if indeed they could receive it. Now, he said that in Matthew chapter 11, verses 2 through 25, especially verses 12 through 14. However, in an even more literal sense, Elijah also came to the earth. Remember, the Gospels report that at the transfiguration of Jesus, both Moses and Elijah appeared and talked with him. That's interesting that that transfiguration, that they were talking with him about a particular subject, and it's given in the Gospels. It says in the Greek text that they talked with him about his ekhodas. They talked with him about his exodus. Now, what is exodus? Ekhodas is the Greek word that we give to that book. That's not what the Jews call that book, but in the Greek Septuagint, they have Greek names. Uh, Genesis is the word ganao, which is the word for beginnings or uh, birthings or uh, uh, generations. 
Echodas means the way out. It's a compound word, ek, which is a preposition out or out of. And then hodas is the word for way, road, path. Look at Leviticus. Leviticum is a word which has to do with the priest. And so you have the priestly orders in the book of Leviticus. What about numbers? That's the word arithmoi. So that's where we get that title for the book of numbers. It's arithmetic, what we used to call math. Then Deuteronomos. Deutero means second. Nomos is the word for law. Deuteronomy is the not the second giving of the law, but the rehearsal of the law. It was uh, being rehearsed a second time, simply because 40 years they had not observed the law. They had forgotten about it, and Moses wanted them to remember before they went to the promised land that God had some requirements for them and had some expectations, and so that's exactly what he did. And so Moses and Elijah came, and what they talk about? They talked about the Exodus. They talked about his echodas. You see, death for the child of God. When the Lord says it's time to come home, it's uh, not a way into a grave. Oh, that's where our bodies will be for a while, but it's a way out. It's a way out of this life of flesh and bondage, and it's a way into the glorious light of the Son of God. That's what they talked with Jesus about his death. It was called his exodus. Then there is the drinking of the Hallel cup. The word Hallel is the word for praise. After the drinking of the third cup, the cup of redemption, the participants, whether it's a family or whether it was like the disciples representing many families, they sing a hymn of praise, which is traditionally Psalm 118. This is one of the greatest messianic psalms, especially verses 22 through 24 are quoted five times in the New Testament. When you get my book that I have written, the booklet, it's only about 24 pages, eight and a half by 11. It's about 50 pages. It it is a smaller book. But verses 25 and 27 were the words which the crowd chanted at the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. The word saved now is the Hebrew word Hosanna. Now let me read some of that psalm to you. And this is the, it says, and they sang a hymn and went out in to the Mount of Olives. Well, what they sang? Well, I'm not going to read the whole psalm, but I will read verse 22. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone five times in the New Testament. This was the Lord's doing. You see, it didn't happen by chance that Jesus died on the cross. It did not happen by mere circumstance that they rejected him and called for his death and crucifixion. This was the Lord's doing, and it was marvelous in our eyes. Verse 24 says, as we sing so many times clapping our hands, Jesus sang this with his disciples at the Passover meal before he went to the agony of Gethsemane. Here it is. Verse 24, Psalm 118, this is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. And verse 25 is what they sang and said and shouted when Jesus presented himself on the day of the lambs on the 10th of Nisan when the sacrificial lamb was chosen for each family. Verse 25 says, Save now, I pray you, O Lord. O Lord, and the word Lord is all capitals. This is the personal name for God. 
Hashem. It's the Tetragrammaton, Y-H-V-H or Y-H-W-H. Save now, I pray, O Lord. O Lord, I pray, send now. Blessed is he, verse 26, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you from the house of the Lord. God is the Lord. He has given us light. And then it says, bind the sacrifice with the cords to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will praise you. You are my God. I will exalt you. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, and his mercy, his chesed, endures forever. And then they went out into the Mount of Olives. And it's interesting. It's extremely significant that Jesus did not observe the fourth cup of the Passover. He and his disciples departed after the song, according to Matthew 26.30. He stated that he would not drink that last cup until he drank it new in the kingdom of God, Matthew 26.29, Luke 22 and 18. Jesus postponed the fourth cup until the second coming. Prophetically, this cup represents the second coming when the scripture says, All Israel shall be saved. Zechariah 12, 10, Romans 11, 25, and 27. And listen to this, and together with all believers, he, Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, will rule and reign for a thousand years from Jerusalem, the promised land, and the center of all the earth. I join you in saying, with our beloved brother, the Apostle John, Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen and amen. For On The Way, this is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On The Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCRISP.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.